Discover FX's Shogun, the official podcast, available now. Every legend begins with a story. Listen and explore episode by episode this story of war, passion, and power set in feudal Japan. Join host Emily Yoshida each week with the creators, cast, and crew in this exclusive companion podcast. They dive deep into the twists and turns of the plot, go behind the scenes, and explore the real-life history that informed the limited series based on James Clavell's best-selling novel. Search FX's Shogun wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode of Stuff You Missed in History Class is brought to you by Get Your Guide. If you're planning a trip and you are not sure what you want to do when you get there, Get Your Guide offers the best way to connect with your destination. You can make memories from all over the globe with these tours that are locally vetted and expertly curated. All kinds of variety based on whatever it is that you're into. So if it's food or nature or sports, you can immerse yourself in any of these things on your next vacation. So just as some examples, there's a New York City deli food tour or whitewater rafting on the Grand Canyon. This is not just in the United States either. There is a chocolate and patisserie tour of Paris or a pasta making class in Rome. All of this sounds so awesome. You can discover and book your next unforgettable travel experience at getyourguide.com. Again, that is getyourguide.com. I'm Tracy from Stuff You Missed in History Class. Are you a small business owner or even someone who dreams of entrepreneurship? Then check out Season 2 of Mind the Business, small business success stories from iHeart Podcasts and Intuit QuickBooks. Join hosts Austin Hankwitz and Janice Torres as they interview entrepreneurs sharing insights around starting and nurturing a small business. You won't want to miss these inspiring stories of entrepreneurship and discovering ways to business differently so you can too. Planning your next trip? Choice Hotels family of 22 brands has over 7,400 locations and the perfect hotel for any traveler you want to be. Like a Cambria Hotel serving up locally inspired craft cocktails for all my folks who maybe want to meet up and talk about Mad Royals. Check into a Radisson Hotel with flexible workspaces for you strivers who listen during business travel. Or a Comfort Hotel with free hot breakfast, family-friendly pools, and big spacious rooms for the parents who listen with their kids and need a little retreat. What are you waiting for? Join Choice Privileges and start earning points toward your next stay. Find a stay for any you when you book direct at choicehotels.com, where travels come true. Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class, a production of iHeartRadio. Hello and happy Friday. I'm Holly Fry. And I'm Tracy V. Wilson. We got to spend a luxurious two episodes talking about Ralph McQuarrie this week. We did. This is one of those episodes. First, I should mention that it was your idea. It kind of, yeah. Should I tell that whole saga? Sure. Um, So, uh, as you may have noticed, we had some 3D audio in these episodes. And originally, we had been asked to do something that was going to come out the week of May 4th. And I said, hey, we could do something kind of Star Wars-y. Uh, because we were trying to think of what would work well with the 3D audio aspect for our show, which... Right, and and May the 4th is Star Wars Day. Yeah, May the 4th is Star Wars Day, so that seemed like a good connection. Uh, and then the date of the, the drop for these episodes got pushed by a week, and it wasn't around Star Wars Day anymore. That's okay. Which was fine. Anytime is a good time to talk about Ralph McQuarrie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, this is one of those those episodes that is simultaneously an absolute delight for me to research and work on and incredibly deeply painful for me to research and work on because anybody who knows Ralph McQuarrie's work, particularly for the Star Wars films, which obviously I'm rabid about, it's so dense. There's so much of it. There are literally mm-hmm. thousands of pieces of art. So having to only talk about a few of them was very difficult. I could do an entire episode where I only talk about his work on Bespin because Cloud City is where it's at for me. Yeah. Something that was really interesting to me, I have seen uh, all the Star Wars movies, some of them more than one time, and I've seen all of The Mandalorian, but like I have never had the level of Star Wars connection and immersion that you have had, but still reading a lot of the descriptions of the art that he made, so much of it, like I immediately know exactly what scene Mm -hmm. you were talking about and exactly what it looks like. Yeah, I mean, it's really, really marvelous uh, to see how meticulously some of his his imagery was recreated on screen with really very little or no changes to it. I mean, he t- he talks in various interviews. He's, he talks through the years about how, like, there were just times when things could not look the way he drew them because there were just logistics, and he understood that from like a, a materials perspective. You can't actually make this thing. Which is pretty interesting, but there are some that just look exactly like what he painted. Right. One of the things that I did not get into, and it kind of falls into that territory, is his designs for Yoda. Mm -hmm. Um, Because his Yoda does not look like Yoda at all. When he read the script and it was, you know, this sort of wizened, very old Jedi, in his mind, he was like a bony, crotchety looking creature. And he looks much more severe in his images. If you've seen any of his uh, paintings of Yoda, you'll see that they look very, very different. Um, and he kind of said, like, well, some of the that changes that other concept artists were coming up with things that were a little closer to what mm-hmm. George wanted. But also the puppeteers really, like kind of dominated the decision process because they knew what the materials could and couldn't do and what was actually going to work and play on screen versus, like, trying to create this weird bony thing that probably wouldn't have had the same level of of warmth to it. Um, It's so wonderful because he was, for the most part, when you read interviews with him, he was not territorial about his art at all. Like, Mm -hmm. he never was like, they didn't do what I thought was better. The only thing I ever saw him mention was the Ewoks. He was like, I really wish they had looked scarier. Um, I don't know, man. I was the exact age (laughs) to love those Ewoks. Oh, me too. I'm glad they were adorable. Me, I still love the Ewoks. The um, the animated Ewok adventures are now on Disney Plus, and I'm mm-hmm. they're so ridiculous and wonderful. And I I relish that they turned out so cute. That now we have adorable animated stuff that we can revisit. I um, yeah, there were things that I was like, oh, should I put this in? I had a whole long description for a while of uh his art of the speeder bike chase. Mm-hmm which has a lot of a sense of motion to it, but it was just like, this is another like 500 words that is just about this one painting, and I don't know that it does anything different from what we've already right. talked about. Right. Um, I mean, I'm happy to talk about all of these paintings forever and ever and ever, uh, but you have to load balance it a little bit. It's also interesting that his work, it appears, was just universally awe-inspiring. Mm-hmm. Like, there are even moments where people talk about different collaborators that maybe weren't always great at 
like in, at being that sort of non ownership approach that he had where they were like, no, I want my version. But like everybody would see his work and be like, this guy is amazing. Uh, whatever mm-hmm. he draws, let's put it in the movie. Um, which is sort of lovely. And I really could watch interviews with him forever because he has this very gentle, sweet way about him. And you just kind of want to like buy him a coffee and ask him to tell you stories about art. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, he's just, he was a really, really uh, wonderful man. Um, you know, and did did some various convention appearances before his passing and and just so beloved by everybody. Like, there's just no bad press on the dude. <laughs> mm. uh, but I, I, there is a, a mind-boggling part of it where we talked about how fast he was. Like, he would turn around a concept painting sometimes in two days, and they were big paintings with a lot of details. But to him, and he talks about how, well, that was work. That was my job. But I... It's so strange to juxtapose his kind of pragmatism about it and his lack of like, no, I've passionately fought for it to look this way. Uh, He doesn't do that. He's very like, well, practically speaking, it seemed to make more sense this way. So that's what I did. Yeah. And yet he turned out these things that just take people's breath away, which is kind of a, a, a very different image of an artist than what we often get. Right, right. <laughs> just a Mr. Equanimity relaxed yeah. about everything. <laughs> uh, even though the quote that you read from him at the very end of the episode kind of downplayed the idea of, like, commercial and technical art mm-hmm. being art, um, I feel like a lot of what he did just is really evidence that, like, yeah, if you're doing this for your paycheck and you're doing it for, to the client's spec, it's still art. Like... <laughs> 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 Even if you felt like that wasn't really art, it definitely is still art. Uh, yeah. 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 I, uh, there's another quote I didn't include from him, but it was very, um, I don't know if I would call it self-critical, but it was very humble where he was talking about like, you know, beautiful, perfect art incorporates, like he he would see that like commercial art could be beautiful and he'd be like, but it incorporates like this sense of just... Uh, you know, effortlessness and beauty, and it all comes together, and my art just isn't quite there. And I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I know. excuse? Yeah, I know. I know a lot of people whose job involves making art uh, who are incredibly hard on themselves when they see their finished art that they have made for work. And I mean, I know all of us who do something creative can be really hard on, on our own creative work, but like, there it's it's a similar vibe in in how people have talked about the flaws <laughs> they have seen in their own visual art that they did for their job. Yeah, it's astonishing. I mean, I I again, I, I'm like you, I get it, but it's so mismatched to what we're actually looking at when we look at his paintings that I'm mm-hmm. like, wow, who did not have a a really strong grasp on reality, my friend. Um, I will tell you, researching for this one may have also, uh, you know, resulted in another tattoo plan. (laughs) Nice! (laughs) Uh, So if that happens, I'll be sure to share it on social. uh, Not one of his more detailed things, but one of his sketches that I just kind of fell in love with and kept going back to. I, uh, yeah, I, uh, those ice spiders... Mm-hmm. Love them. I love them. <laughs> I, 
I may be the only one who was like clapping and squealing with joy through that episode the first time I saw it because I like spiders anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, while my poor husband was like wadded up in a ball at the end of the couch. And I'm like, are you okay? And he's like, not really. And I'm like, well, <laughs> sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's beautiful. I encourage anybody, if you haven't spent time looking at his work, particularly if you've seen maybe his more famous work, but not... Some of his lesser known pieces, it's worth just uh, doing a search on the Internet and kind of getting lost for a a little while, maybe while you have your coffee or something or a a little break in your day, because it's it is just it's refreshingly beautiful. Like, I, I think there is something so special about his work because he does bring that technical expertise that he got working in aerospace. Mm hmm but elevates it in a way that is completely sublime and beautiful. Um, And I obviously have, like, fangirl rabies over his work in particular, but uh, I think most people that look at it can appreciate that it is really quite spectacular. If you can find a picture of um, particularly those matte paintings that he did for the landing platform scene that we talked about, in Empire Strikes Back, and also the scene where the big showdown between Luke and Vader happens in that shaft, like where they're just surrounded by open space and black walls full of light. He painted that um, that background and then had to go in and it got filmed and then he did some retouching to fill in some spaces. And it's just, it's really uh, a testament to like an incredible level of skill um, that I, it will forever blow my mind. So I hope everybody enjoyed it and found this fun and was okay with indulging me in my Star Wars rabies for two full episodes. <laughs> um, also, we hope that you have a great weekend ahead. Uh, if you have time off, I hope you spend it doing things that are joyous and restful, not making art for other people, but maybe for yourself. <laughs> Follow Ralph's lead. Just lie down and see what happens. Um, <laughs> yeah, if you do have to work, I hope that you can also find your your moments of inspiration or beauty and that everybody is super cool to you. We will see you here tomorrow with a classic and next week with new episodes. Stuff You Missed in History Class is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey, Sarah, I loved that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human-moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. 
www.rollingstonesongs.com. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for.